Welcome everyone, Wrestling Source Bottle presents just another SummerSlam preview and joining me is one half of the Wide World of Wrestling podcast, it is Mr. Simon Tackler, hello and welcome. Hello. SummerSlam, it's part of the Big Five or the Big Four, whatever they call it, you know, the Survivor Series, the Royal Rumbles, the WrestleManias, but SummerSlam 2019, it's looking like a pretty stacked card. Yeah, it's looking good. Like, it's going to be a long show, as usual, probably five hours. But there's enough here that feels like it's going to be worth sitting through. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, uh, if you're a big sort of nostalgia fan like myself, obviously Goldberg being added to the card, I mean, uh, it's going to be something to look at, even if it only lasts for 30 seconds. But the likes of AJ Styles, Ricochet, Finn Balor, uh, Bray Wyatt, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, let's jump right into the card. And I think it's definitely going to be a pre-show. I mean, we call it the, uh, I think we had a bit of a laugh last time we did a uh, pre-show for Extreme Rules about the uh, Cruiserweight being basically the uh, the preview title or the uh, the pre-show title. Got Drew Get, uh, Gulak taking on someone who I'm a little bit unfamiliar with. Was, was it only Lorcan? Oni Lorcan, who's yeah. been doing his thing uh, in 205 Live for a little bit. Most people would know him from NXT. Um, teaming up with Danny Birch. He's very talented. This match will be good. Like, if anyone doesn't know these guys, I'm sure you're going to enjoy the match if you watch it. But to me, when you think cruiserweight wrestling, especially if you grew up watching Monday Nitro, this isn't what a cruiserweight match looks like, you know? Yeah, Neither nah, guy is yeah. known for their high flying specifically, you know. So, uh, so I don't know. It'll be a very hard hitting technical match, but to me, this doesn't feel like a cruiserweight match to me. Maybe you have to throw a few luchadors or a few guys from Japan in there, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, 205 Live is a tricky one. I don't watch it anymore. I stopped watching it a long time ago. But the argument always is that when you've got guys like Seth Rollins and AJ Styles and Ricochet doing high flying moves anyway what separates these guys yeah i guess i and i mean it's a debate that i've uh well not a debate but the discussion that i've had with many people sort of saying that uh wwe uh, obviously wanted to have a safer sort of wrestling style but i mean you can sort of poke holes through that argument um and i guess ricochet you... ricochet is hitting 630s you know <laughs> like so i love it and like why, why does Finn Balor get to go to the main roster and so does Ricochet, but these guys go to 205? Like, it doesn't feel like you're going to 205 because you're smaller. It feels like you go to 205 because you're not good enough. Like, that's the perception as a fan. Well, I mean, because our very own uh, Buddy Murphy, he spent a bit of time in 205 and I guess kind of made it his own and then eventually got the call up. So I guess it's up to the individual, I guess, to make the most of it. And you always hear that in wrestling and I mean, any career sort of that you go to, if you feel sort of opportunities aren't coming your way, you kind of have to make the best of it. And, uh, you know, old Randy Savage, uh, initially the cream will rise to the top. Yeah, that's true. And and I remember talking to Buddy about it a couple of years ago when we interviewed him. He sort of explained that he wasn't getting the opportunities in NXT and people were being called up over him. So I guess he used 205 Live as sort of a backdoor into the main roster. He purposely cut down weight, pushed for it and made it happen. But, you know, I feel like him and Ali are almost the exception, not the rule. 
Mm. Well, let's hopefully we've uh, uh, talked some people into watching the pre-show in that case. <laughs> I don't know then. if we've convinced them to watch it. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, but we'll start from the top, just given the list I've got here now. Obviously, uh, Raw finished uh, last week with uh, Goldberg uh, signed the contract to take on Dolph Ziggler. Because I think we were originally sold uh, The Miz and Dolph Ziggler initially, and they were just having a lot of awkward kind of Miz TV segments. And, you know, uh, Dolph Ziggler saying it should have been me or, you know, he's been the best there is of the best there was or something along those lines and now he's taken on Goldberg of all people yeah this is a weird, this is when you press random in WWE 2K you get this match you know <laughs> or you play against your younger cousin who's crap at the game so he picks Goldberg because his stats are like 99 yeah. um I, this should be fun like it's win-win for Dolph Ziggler he's in a high profile match he either beats Goldberg or he takes the best spear ever, and we're going to see that in GIFs till the end of time. So I think it's going to be fun. I think it will be. I think um, Dolph Ziggler being an opponent for Goldberg makes sense because he, the way he sells and like bumps around the ring, it's it's almost Kurt Henning-like back in the day. Um, I mean, he, he would make Goldberg look like a million bucks. Uh, let's just hope to sweet Jesus that Goldberg doesn't almost kill Dolph Ziggler trying to spear him or almost try to kill himself by trying to spear Dolph Ziggler. This match, it will be like 30 seconds at most, but I think within those 30 seconds, Dolph will sell like, like he's never sold before. Or... If I was, uh, if I had the book, so to speak, uh, there, Simon, I would uh, have Dolph Ziggler beat Goldberg in 30 seconds and uh, have the Toronto crowd uh, very happy. Oh wow! Do you think the crowd is going to be on Dolph's side? Because we know, you know, Canada is bizarro land, and yeah, and, and WCW never, never went to Canada often. I know they tried expanding later on when they got Brett. I don't know if Toronto cares about Goldberg that much. You do bring up the Bizarro um, land point. I mean, they always sort of seem to do that. I, I think, if anything, they might even start a bit of a you screwed Brett chance to Goldberg because, uh, you know, essentially Goldberg is the one that uh, ended uh, Bret Hart's uh, wrestling career. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. that There could be a, you know, Dolph has definitely not had the popularity that he's had, I mean, maybe three or five years ago. But uh, in Canada, I mean, anything can happen, as they say. Yeah, uh, in terms of predictions, though, surely Goldberg takes yeah. it because the goodwill to you know of the company to let him come back so he feels better about his performance in Saudi Arabia. And I like, think that's a yeah, that's another point. Is that I think it's more of a redeeming match as opposed to a you know a big build build type of match. Yeah, I, I mean that's what we've been told. That's the rumor we're all buying into because it's sort of funny to think about. But how odd. Say so in any other industry, if you do a bad job, they hire you back so you can sort of redeem yourself on the performance. Like imagine an actor shit the bed in a movie mm. and they were like, you know what? We're going to put you in the sequel. We know you can do better. So you feel better <laughs> about yourself. <laughs> you know, you, you won yeah. at the Razzie Awards for a bad performance. Don't worry. We'll let you come back. Yeah, it's odd. Now, I was talking about Dolph Ziggler being able to sell for Goldberg. What happens if, um, I think it was 2005 SummerSlam, Hulk Hogan and um, Shawn, Shawn Michaels? Michaels? Wow, I didn't even draw that parallel. Yeah, what happens if Dolph Ziggler is like, I don't know, you want me to sell for you? I'll sell for you. And he just does a complete Shawn Michaels, uh, circa I, 2005. I hope he does. I didn't think about that before, but you've planted that seed, and I hope Dolph Ziggler does that. I hope yeah. he gets clotheslined out of the ring and does like three cartwheels down the aisle. 
I love that match. Because, <laughs> I mean, this is a guy, I think, because Amy Schumer and Dolph Ziggler used to date, and I think she said made the comment of uh, she's never had sex that was so athletic. Yeah, and it's good to know that he, you know, brings that to all facets of his life. <laughs> you know what? Uh, that, you know, that would be a really good inside thing, though, if he did some of the same bumps that Sean took because of the parallels that he's been drawing lately with Shawn Michaels. I think yeah. he should do that. That'd be amazing. Well, I was kind of hoping for a Shawn Michaels Dolph Ziggler match, but I'm uh, I'm secretly, you know, holding a flame for uh, D Bryan and uh, Shawn Michaels uh, at WrestleMania. Whether or not that materializes is a, another complete story. But um, yeah, I think you know they've always said you know Dolph Ziggler is the modern day Shawn Michaels, and you thought he was going to get this massive push, and then he kind of just died in the ass. Yeah, sadly it's too late. It's funny to think that you know. Oh, Goldberg is the old guy in this match. Dolph Ziggler's nearly 40. He's 39. You know, he's not that young. He's not the next Shawn Michaels anymore. No, that's Um, true. That window is closed, I think. It's a shame, but it is what it is. And we go from one uh, former legend, or we go from one legend to another legend. Uh, Trish Stratus uh, taking on Charlotte, uh, and I believe that's for the uh, for the SmackDown. No, it's for the Raw Women's title, is it? Or is it just no, 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 no titles here. Well, that's good then, because you know, I was just thinking if it was for a title and Trish was to win, she would have to either, I guess, give it back the next night or lose the next night. So it's good that it's, it's just a one-off, and I think Trish has alluded that this will be her last in-ring performance. Yeah, that's it. It's in Toronto, her, her hometown. I think the crowd is going to be really into this. It's going to be fun. I I don't know what to expect, and I don't really care. Trish was always one of my favorites growing up, so yeah, yeah it'll be fine. It'll be fun. I I, I had um like it was from like one of the old WWE magazines, uh, WWF back in the day. But um she had like uh, I think like some red dress on, and like it was a double sided one where she had the hat. Um that was a, a staple uh, in my bedroom as a uh, as a young teen or an early uh, teen. And uh, obviously then she went on to have a phenomenal uh, wrestling career. Um yeah I think you know like you said um I don't you're not going to be expecting like a a five star at the Tokyo Dome, but it'll be good to kind of reminisce um seeing Trish and uh, taking on who. Charlotte, who is one of the best uh, female in-ring performers at the moment. Yeah, Charlotte's great. So, you know, if anyone's worried about, you know, the work rate, quote-unquote, Charlotte's there to help that. Uh, It'll be fun. Absolutely. And we move on to AJ Styles. Now, this is for a title. Uh, I know my stuff here. Uh, US title, uh, Ricochet, AJ Styles. Um, I would like to see AJ Styles just win just to, you know, give more something to Ricochet to work towards. Um, You know, he's got the club on his side there, AJ Styles. Um, uh, And I mean, they'll put on, I mean, I think we said this before, they they face each other at Extreme Rules and you kind of alluded to this looks like it's going to be a series of matches, which that, that has materialized and it makes sense to do it but i'm i'm not a big fan of you know um giving the baby faces you know a win because i kind of feel like well what do they go to uh from there i like it i like the chase i'm probably just a big chase guy uh, yeah i i think there's time left in this for ricochet to keep chasing um because yeah sort of as you've said if he wins what does he do and i don't think ricochet is established enough as a character yet to win and sort of carry that load like, they can keep telling the story of him having to overcome the club. And I like the club with uh, championships because, you know, Gallows and Anderson have the Raw tag titles. AJ has the US title. I think there's more to do with that team, with belts. Absolutely. And I think uh, one thing that's clear to see is AJ Styles is a far better uh, bad guy than a good guy, in my opinion, anyway. Oh, he, he's great 
as a face, like, you know, the crowd never turns on him, really. They're always on his side. But there's just an extra gear he has when he's being bad. Like, he has extra charisma. His promos are a little bit better. Just, yeah, everything turns up. He hits a little harder. Everything just clicks. Yeah. And we move on to uh, Finn Bella taking on the feed Bray Wyatt. Now, I've, like I said, been loosely uh, been paying attention to this. Um, I'm guessing the feed is the guy with the Slipknot mask. <laughs> That's right. He's the 10th member of Slipknot. This should be good. If it's Finn Bella and not the demon, I think the fiend should destroy him in 30 seconds. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I was going to say, if there's ever going to be a squash match, we'll talk about uh, Goldberg, Dolph Ziggler earlier. I think, if anything, this should be the squash match. And a lot of people will be like, oh, you can't do that. But, I mean, you know, if you're, you know, reading your so-called dirt sheets or whatever, Meltzer reports, Finn Balor's gone on a bit of a holiday. And I think it's only right that, you know, if you want to make Bray Wyatt look strong, so to speak, just absolutely destroy him. And and I know, like, your fantasy booking, what do we know? We're just fans. Isn't isn't the simplest thing to do here. Fiend Bray Wyatt destroys Finn Balor, the man. Finn goes away, comes back later mm-hmm. in the year, yeah, exactly. and you build to the Demon and the Fiend at WrestleMania. That's it. Yep. Mate, if this uh, was 1980-something <laughs> or 1990-something, that's what we'd be doing, and we wouldn't even have to question it. But these days, who knows? Yeah, it would be would be by uh, Vince's pool, maybe having a few cocktails. Yeah. Uh, and, oh no, know, sorry. Pa- the, the the first step would be Survivor Series, Team Finn versus Team Bray, but yep. neither guy really touches each other. They get a double count out, and yeah, we save the one on one for WrestleMania. Come on, yeah. guys, it's easy. <laughs> you don't need those twenty riders. You got us right no, here, <laughs> exactly. But uh, I mean, you know, and uh, we we sort of touched on this before. We've got a little bit more uh, room now to kind of expand on it. We kind of said uh, it was in regards to Shane McMahon and uh, Brock Lesnar and I guess certain you know booking decisions that fans seem to get all enraged about and I was actually talking to Concrete Davison uh, a little bit earlier uh, about this as fans I'm, I'm trying to think where he heard the quote from but it, it sort of stuck with me as fans or you know I guess hardcore fans sometimes we overbook in our own heads so when you do see the the match happen and it's not so how you booked it or to your standard you're going to be naturally disappointed anyway yeah I, I see that as I get older I've definitely eased away from that like if you yeah. ask me between the ages of 14 and 20 or, you know, even later into my 20s, I would be enraged at certain things and be like, oh, they should have done this. There's no should have and could have sometimes, you know. Mm. Sometimes the simplest decision is the best one. And I think that's when fans get let down as well. Like yeah. when we expect a run-in or we expect a surprise or, or this. And then sometimes they just go with the logical choice. You know, how many title defenses of John Cena did everyone fantasy book the other guy to beat him? When in hindsight, none of those people probably should have. Not all of them, but, you know, when we're talking your your Umagas, your Lashleys, whoever, just out of burnout, we were hoping Cena would lose. But you look back and you're like, yeah, they probably made the right choice. You know, I remember people clamoring for R-Truth to beat John Cena in 2011 or whatever Mm. it was. And like, really? Did you really want that? Was that really the best (laughs) business decision? Probably not. But yeah, yeah, fans... Fans, you know, they overexcite themselves, I think. I wasn't so much hoping for um, uh, for John Cena to be beaten, but as a heel turn. And I think there was so many pay-per-views back-to-back. I'd be like, come on, turn heel, yeah. turn heel, turn heel. <laughs> okay, but, I've, got a, I've got a theory for John Cena to turn heel, though. Yeah. It's John Cena who is behind this Roman Reigns uh, hit job. 
Yeah, right. Like, yeah, okay. I know, no, I'm going to be disappointed because it's not John Cena. But what if it was? He's trying to stop Roman from becoming a crossover star. He's jealous because Roman is in Hobbs and Shaw and he's going to stop him before he gets to that level. Uh, that's, that's that's not a bad theory. Um, I mean, Hollywood we'll touch... John Cena. Let's do it. Yeah, like the the Holly like the Hollywood heel rock. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's not it's not happening, but wouldn't it be fun? I think it would be very fun. Actually, speaking of which, isn't Roman Reigns he's supposed to be taking on uh, Samoa Joe? Has that been pulled? Because it's on it's not on the card that I'm looking at right now, unless I'm on a dodgy site. Well, they sort of scrapped that. That that was the plan, and then we heard it was going to be Roman and Brian, but they never put that into concrete either. And now he's sort of you know heard that Rowan is the one who may have tried hitting him, so maybe they're going to do that. But there is no official match for Roman Reigns at this stage. Okay. And we'll touch in a little bit off air about uh, WCW uh, 99 with the White Hummer. Who was driving the White Hummer? It was kind of who was driving the forklift? And you've touched on it a bit earlier there that it might have been Rowan or Brian or, you know, people have thought it might have been Samoa Joe. Even uh, our very own Buddy Murphy was uh, sort of entangled into this uh, storyline. Yeah, great segment on SmackDown, though, when Roman Reigns just busted in the locker room, interrogated Buddy and threw him across the table. That was really good to see Buddy even being in that spot, even if he's not involved in the story, even if it just leads to a match with Roman. Like, what a great opportunity for him to, you know, open people's eyes. Absolutely. And, you know, it's always good to see an Aussie Aussie guy, uh, you know, being featured on TV. And also, this is a thing that sort of gets overlooked as to why the Attitude Era was good in certain ways, especially with storytelling. They would incorporate characters sort of across the card into one story. You know, mm. we'd see characters interact uh, to tell a common story. And, and they're doing that here a little bit because we've got Samoa Joe involved. We've got Rowan and Brian. We've got Buddy Murphy. And we've potentially got someone else. So that's kind of cool because they're all at different stages. It's not so locked in like you're a cruiserweight, you're a tag guy, you're Roman Reigns. So it's good. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes they may not be able to get a match necessarily uh, on the show, but they're featured in some form of uh, segment or spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's cool. I like it. Uh, one I'm sort of on the fence about, uh, Kevin Owens taking on Shane McMahon. Now, I'm pretty sure the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view is after SummerSlam. We saw them a couple of years ago uh, in Hell in a Cell. Uh, we could be uh, going back a few years and watching the same match again, but I guess roles reverse. I guess Kevin Owens being the anti-authority kind of Stone coldish good guy, bad guy, taking on the authority being Shane McMahon. Um a little bit on the fence. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. How about you, Simon? I don't know if I lose smart fan points here or whatever, but I've liked this story. I think mm-hmm. I think especially the past couple of months of SmackDown have been kind of fun with Kevin Owens sort of, yeah, as you said, being stone coldish and Shane McMahon just leaning into being a real piece of shit and just mm. getting stunned every week. There's been <laughs> a lot of fun segments. It, you know, and I know it sort of feels like a, sort of scene for scene retread of 20 years ago, but it's fun. And I think the crowd in Toronto talking about crowd reactions, Kevin Mm. Owens in Canada being Mm. being allowed to play to the crowd and like letting them cheer. It's going to be good because we've always seen Kevin Owens have to turn on the crowd when they cheer him. Oh, I don't need you to cheer me. Shut up. You all suck. Like (laughs) I hate it when heels have to do that. Like even though the crowd's cheering, so it's going to be cool to finally see Kevin Owens in Canada leaning into the cheers. It's, I think the atmosphere for this match is going to be really cool. And, and sad to say, like even if 
even if a match like AJ Styles and Ricochet is technically better in the ring, I reckon Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon is going to have the crowd more invested. I think you're right. It could be almost a circa 2011 CM Punk Money in the Bank at Chicago uh, entrance. Maybe not as uh, as big as that one, but maybe close. Yeah. And yeah, I think like the like you you mentioned the segments and everything. Like I I find all that all well and good, but I think maybe I'm just more invested uh, in a Kevin Owens heel. Again, we'll talk about AJ Styles, face or heel. Again, I'm probably more on the heel side, how I like Kevin Owens, and I guess kind of being that good guy is a little bit unfamiliar territory for me as a fan. See, I'm I'm the other way with Kevin Owens. For some reason, I feel like he is naturally a face. As great as he is as a heel, one of the best heels of the past decade mm. or so, there's something likable about him. You know, mm. he, the crowd always wants to cheer him a little bit. He's not that intimidating as, you know, Drew McIntyre. Like, it's easy to see him as a normal guy. And I feel like that's where they maybe were going with some of those, you know, little phone promos he was doing with his family. And, like, mm. he never stays in character online. If you follow on him on social media, he's always hanging out with his family. He's going to Disneyland. He's just doing normal things. He loves <laughs> zoos and pandas. Like, I'm not going to boo this guy. <laughs> you know, like just lean into it. He's the everyman. He just happens to be able to do every wrestling move and be pretty good at it. So and it's funny you were saying, though, the role reversal at the Hell in a Cell, if they do that. That happened a few years ago as well with CM Punk and Ryback, where they had uh, Hell in a Cell matches like consecutive years, but roles reversed. Yeah. It's really weird. That seems to happen in Hell in a Cell. And... Uh... I just hope Shane McMahon, um, you know, puts Kevin Owens in some form of submission and makes uh, Kevin Owens tap out. I think the the crowd go happy after that. That is the obvious choice because if <laughs> Kevin Owens loses, he has to um, retire. And if they do a screw job with a McMahon in Canada to Kevin Owens, like what a reaction that'd be. Actually, that'd be can, amazing. And then we can see Kevin Owens, you know, take it a step further, just like all the times Austin was fired or suspended. Then Kevin Owens can. Uh, you know, invade SmackDown over the next couple of months. It could be yeah. fun. Either either way, it's a win-win. I feel like this match is going to lead to some fun storytelling. And sometimes storytelling is more important than a four-star match. Yeah. All right, and we this is the actual uh, SmackDown Women's uh, Championship. Um, I got confused with the match earlier. It's uh, Bailey taking on Amber Moon, uh, Women's uh, yeah SmackDown Women's Championship. Well, I don't blame you for being confused because. Charlotte and Trish Stratus feels like a bigger deal than this match. Mm. Uh, Ember Moon, it felt like a great opportunity for her. It still is. The match could be great and, you know, she could win over new fans, even though people like her. But she hasn't looked good the past few weeks. This, it's been an odd story. I don't know how to feel about this one. Maybe it's they're going somewhere with it. Um, but, yeah, it's it's weird seeing Bailey always have the upper hand and her opponent be the underdog. I think that's what's throwing me off. Yeah, because she's always been, yeah, sort of fighting. Again, we were talking about the chase. She's always kind of been that chaser. Yeah, so to see her do the thing where, oh, you know, I'm lifting my opponent's hand and then, ha-ha, now I've belly to belly, Bailey to bellied you. Like, that's weird, but I guess we've got to get used to that. Bailey can't be the underdog forever. It's true. And we're going to move on to Kofi Kingston, WWE Championship, taking on Randy Orton. Now, this has a bit of a throwback, I think, to circa 2009 or 2010 when they had a bit of a rivalry that seemed to have a lot of legs and then kind of was just, you know, done and dusted. It'll be interesting. I mean, how old's Randy Orton? He'd have to be uh, getting close to 40 or if or, or on the uh, higher end of the 30-plus scale, wouldn't he? Oh, 
Randy Orton, I'd say he's... Oh, he's 39. Yeah. So, you know, he's still in amazing physical shape. He's not that old. Like, we've seen guys in their prime at that age. Um, yeah. I well, I mean, do you, I see, do, you, do you see another WWE run, um, or title run for Randy Orton? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah, probably true. using some smart fan credit there. But, okay, can I just, just to put this into perspective, Kofi yeah. Kingston is only two years younger than him. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. You know, Kofi Kingston is 37. Like, I think people forget Randy Orton started so young that he's yeah. not that old, you know, so. It just feels like he's been around for a while, but like you said, yeah, he just started as, as yeah, young in evolution and he's kind of just always been like a, a cornerstone uh, with the company. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the, uh, I guess, the the realism behind it because there was a lot of, uh, you know, um, dirt sheets that, that alluded that Randy Orton stopped Kofi Kingston's push back in the day. Now, how times have changed. Kofi Kingston's the champion and Randy Orton at times can be plucked out of obscurity sometimes. Yeah, Randy Orton just sort of goes wherever they need him. It, it, he feels a bit like Shawn Michaels uh, when he came back from injury. Like sometimes he'd be in the main events, sometimes he'd just be feuding with a guy over whatever. And Randy Orton is in that spot now. Um, I think he's got another title run in him, you know. Uh, this story has been good. The video packages and promos have been great. I think Randy Orton... Mm. W- Randy Orton, when he's on, is as good as anyone, whether it's, you know, promos or in the ring, um, when he's got something to sink his teeth into. And, yeah, this has been good. I wouldn't mind Randy winning here. And it's 15 years after he became champ for the first time. In Toronto at SummerSlam, maybe history repeats itself. That's right. When he uh, beat uh, Chris Benoit the, yeah, for the World uh, Heavyweight title, I think, back in the day, uh, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So we, we could see that happen again. The match and, should be good, though. This should be good. And it seems to be a theme that we keep saying, you know, the chase. And I guess that gives something uh, Kofi to chase until at least Survivor Series or a Royal Rumble. Yeah, exactly. Or into the new era of SmackDown. You know? Yeah, yes, because I think coming that's, up. Uh, yeah, because uh, when do they kick off on Fox? I think it's I in think a, October. Yeah, right. Because it's gonna be interesting when that happens, and just to see how the landscape of if SmackDown does change, uh, if at all. Yeah. So we've got a few months till then. Could go either way with these guys, but yeah, I, I'm glad these guys are having this match. I think it should be good. Absolutely. And Becky Lynch, uh, Raw Women's Champion, taking on Natalia. Now, we're talking about the, the hometown hero being Natalia here from Canada. It's going to be in Toronto. Uh, it's a submission match. So, obviously, you would say that, oh, well, no, well, Becky's got to disarm her. So, I mean, you know, the sharpshooter for Natalia. I, I, for so many years, I was wondering why Natalia was never sort of given, you know, a run as the champion. She did a couple of years ago, I remember, as SmackDown champion. But she's always kind of been the, you know, they always they know that she's reliable and that she can you know make anyone look good so it's kind of been her cross to bear that because she's such a good talent that she puts other talent over as opposed to getting over herself but i've always just wondered why she was never given a bigger significant run i don't know maybe she's not so great on promos or whatever it might be but she's always kind of been on the wayside at times and i would love to see natalia win but i think obviously with how red hot becky lynch is i'll probably stick with becky but yeah what's your uh, view on this particular match uh well you predicted the screw job for shane mcmahon and kevin owens what if they do it here what if natalia locks in the sharpshooter and you know oh who rang the bell and they screw over becky lynch i don't know yeah 
Yeah, that, that's a possibility. Yeah, and I guess it would be. Yeah, I, you talk about roles reversed. Um, the screw job happening for um, a Canadian as opposed against a Canadian. Yeah, has a Hart family member ever used the screw job against someone else? That's a fun twist. It's never mm-hmm. happened. It could be good. Um, yeah. I think. I think the crowd reaction for this one won't be what people are expecting. I feel like enough people, like Becky Lynch, has so much momentum that she's going to be cheered just as much, if not more, than Natalia. Well, it'll be. I kind of. I'm going to sort of intertwine the uh, the main event with Becky Lynch. Obviously, the Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch relationship there, because obviously Brock Lesnar, Universal Champion, taking on Seth Rollins, you know, yeah, Universal Title match. What I would really like to see is I would really like to see Brock Lesnar absolutely steamroll Seth Rollins and then, you know, leave Seth Rollins in a heap in the ring. Becky Lynch comes to console and, you know, he pushes her away and perhaps say Seth Rollins heel turn. Yeah, that definitely would be different. I don't know if they're willing to go down that route. Just we know there are a couple in real life and because they've incorporated that into the story and they sort of, tout it on social media do you think you can pull that off in the modern era Um, or does it not necessarily have to mean that they break up it's just that seth is very angry well maybe becky turns on seth you couldn't get the job done i'm i'm the man (laughs) yeah you're a loser yeah um yeah that is an interesting point obviously i mean we know uh you know uh you know they have real lives outside of wrestling, and I guess it's hard. It doesn't help the cause sometimes when that's really, you know, on social media and the like. But I think you can suspend disbelief for on air as opposed to off air. I don't know. Maybe not. You should be able to. I mean, they are playing characters just like any other TV show. And this is an argument that sort of flared up last week with a lot of pro wrestlers uh, getting into it about using their real names on Twitter and, mm. you know, not not going by their character name, uh, Xavier Woods got involved. Jim Cornette had his say. Uh, there was Jordan Grace. And, and of course, like we mentioned Dolph Ziggler before, he uses his real name on Twitter now. He hasn't used at Dolph Ziggler or whatever for a long time. Like, yeah. it's at Heel Ziggler, but it just says Nick, Nick Nemeth above yeah. it. So, yeah. so people are, are sort of trying to separate that now. There's none of this living the gimmick 24-7. But it's a tricky one with Seth and Becky because they've incorporated that into the story and real life. So I don't know. But do you it, feel it, the it whole... would definitely help Seth Rollins though because it feels like he's got no momentum right now. But do you feel this the whole relationship being on air? It's taken away from Becky Lynch, perhaps. I feel like it's taken away from both of them. Um, I've always, I've always thought that when you give a character a partner, it takes away. For whatever mm. reason, in pro wrestling, it does. You know, I remember years ago, Carlito had a lot of momentum, and then they gave him a girlfriend. And they seem to do this a lot. They've tried it with John Cena. They've tried it with Randy Orton. They try this with every top star at one point. Um, for whatever reason, it just doesn't work. And I think, yeah, it's hurt Becky as well. Becky's that person who it's sort of, yeah, took away from. I think Seth Rollins is a whole other issue that we can get into. But yeah, I don't think it's done either of them any favours. Uh, well, do you see Brock Lesnar retaining, or does, is this where Seth Rollins um, gets his uh, gets the title back and uh, can sail off into the sunset, so to speak? I hope Brock Lesnar wins. As a fan, as someone watching the characters, just for my own enjoyment, I don't see any reason why Brock Lesnar should lose here. Like mm. Seth Rollins has been unlikable for a month 
on TV and on social media and in press interviews. I don't know if he's doing it on purpose, but whatever he's doing sure isn't working. Well, Sam Roberts uh, planted the seed in my head. He kind of said that he was doing kind of heelish uh, promos, you know, complaining about the whole, you know, Brock Lesnar, when's he going to cash in or is he going to cash in type of thing, which traditionally a heel would complain about or, you know, uh, you know, that's, you know, their gimmick as opposed to a, he- uh, a face which is like, oh, I take on all challenges, blah, 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 blah. Um, and that's why I kind of saw maybe a Seth Rollins uh, heel turn here if he does get absolutely demolished. But again, we were saying before, well, where do you go after that? Um, so, yeah, I think, but then again, I, I mean, is this going to be another series of matches? Is, is this going to go to Survivor Series or Royal Rumble or WrestleMania? Do they feel that, the, that there's enough investment from the people and enough money in it to continue it on from SummerSlam? I'm not too sure. I don't know. Either, either you keep the title on Brock, see if you can get Seth to that point again where fans want to see him win. Or you go back to the drawing board and see what else is available. There's a few options here. Will the titles be merged again? Come mm. the SmackDown deal and we have one champion who goes across both shows. Mm. Because if, if if the rumor is true and the Fox and USA executives want the brands to be really separated, maybe the compromise is to have, you know, the champions on both shows. That way you get the star power. Because let's say Brock Lesnar is the champion on Raw, SmackDown misses out. Let's say Roman Reigns is the champion on SmackDown. Raw misses out. So maybe you unify the titles and you keep it on Brock or or Seth Rollins wins and we just carry on as <laughs> the same we were. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Like, Did you see the Seth Rollins interview from last week where he was sort of half in character, half out, but he said that no kid looks up to Brock Lesnar. He's not a good person to look up to, you know, uh, he cashed in the money in the bank like a cheat. It's like, Seth, you cashed in on him to win your first mm. title. Like, I don't know if Seth is doing this on purpose or he's just putting his foot in it by accident. But like, even that, even from a character standpoint, do you not remember that your character did the same thing? Yeah, like, exactly. Using, using that against Brock to get cheered, to me, makes no sense. It's like, dude, you did it as well. You low-blowed him to win at WrestleMania. You can't call him the cheat. And mm. I know it's not Seth writing all these lines, but someone is, and someone doesn't even remember what happened a few months ago. And it just, yeah, yeah I don't get it. I, I want Brock to win. And also, Seth Rollins is wrong. I want to be Brock Lesnar when I grow up. So... <laughs> Well, you think about it, you know, um, you know, how many wrestling championships, uh, UFC, you know, that takes a lot of hard work and determination. Uh, and, uh, you know, I guess you could say the cheating, there was a bit of a steroid scandal a couple of years ago. But, um, yeah, not, not the worst person to look up to, I'd imagine. Come on. He's a once in a generation <laughs> athlete. He made it in the UFC and the WWE, NCAA champion, basically made it to the NFL like he got cut pretty much last with no football experience yeah. past high school um he loves his family like he only works part-time because he'd rather spend more time with his family and we're meant to hate him for that mm. all these other guys get divorced 20 times and fall into drug abuse and all this other crazy stuff because mm. they want the spotlight brock lesnar is my idol he's got his priorities <laughs> in order he, he does the job and then he goes home to his Playboy centerfold wife hunts and hangs out with his kids. Yeah. Why wouldn't you look up to Brock Lesnar? 
And I guess you have to go back in time and sort of say, you know, like the likes of the Lex Lugers and Scott Holes and Kevin Nash when, you know, they said they'll, they're one of the big money contracts from WCW or had agents that they'll doing it, you know, for for the industry or for the for the boys or whatever, like in the future. And I never quite understood that, obviously being a fan and not actually be working in that as a profession. But if that didn't happen, you know, uh, Lex Luger having an agent as opposed to just dealing directly with Vince or whoever, um, you know, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash leaving WWF to get the bigger money at WCW, things like uh, contracts for Brock Lesnar now probably wouldn't exist. I mean, I know that's it could be a bit far-fetched or, you know, I'm sort of, you know, reaching there. but it, yeah. Yeah, it's quite a bit. It's still true, though. I, I think that's where we're at. And Brock Lesnar is winning, you know? Yeah. He's figured it out. Any anyone in any industry would kill to be doing what Brock Lesnar's doing. And look, there are some people who love work and they put that above their family and they sacrifice, you know, personal life to get the glory of whatever profession they're in. But hey, Brock Lesnar's a guy who knows he's good at this. He still enjoys it on some level, but it's not his priority. If he if you can trick your boss, not trick your boss, but if you can convince your boss to pay you more and work less, you're winning. And he's figured it out. And I think as well, Brock Lesnar, he's worth more, less anyway, in the sense of, you know, you, you wouldn't want him wrestling at every house show or be on every TV because he would lose his value and he knows his value or who, whoever his agent is knows his value. Look at the reactions John Cena gets now because he yeah. only shows up every now and then. Yeah. We've seen what happens when a top star is on the show every night, multiple segments for 10 years. I think, yeah. I don't know. It's so funny that we're going on about Brock Lesnar because everyone's had this discussion. But especially now that Seth Rollins has put it out there again, like, no, you're wrong. Brock Lesnar is a role model and everyone should look up to him and praise our <laughs> universal champion. Maybe that could be the new gimmick, the uh, the new and improved or the clean cut Brock Lesnar, the nice guy. The guy that you... Of- <laughs> he sort of is clean cut. Like, I know there's been, you know, as you mentioned, sort of the scandals with drug testing in the UFC. But aside from that, what scandals have we ever heard? Mm. You know, like the, the, he's kept himself pretty clean, you know, just goes about his life suplexing people and hunting. And uh, I guess uh, Seth Rollins are, are sending nudie pics to people. Look- <laughs> You're right. If we're going to get into controversies, even though there's only been a couple of them, Seth has a couple more than Brock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Seth just slides into the DMs. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. Uh, anyway, I like, honestly, I hope Brock wins because I yeah. think there's more in that and maybe we build to someone else and they can rebuild Seth. Um, You say build to someone else, but um, who who would you go to? Who, who would there you go is- to? There is nobody else. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the value of Brock Lesnar sort of just holding this title and going away and coming back. Because wouldn't you rather see a big title defense every now and then as opposed to a crappy title defense every month? Well, I guess that's, um, you know, a lot of arguments have been to build it like UFC. Um, you know, there's not, you know, they obviously not all the fighters wrestle every month. It could be every four to five or six months, even. Obviously, not that big of a gap in professional wrestling because there has to be some continuity uh, in that regard. But I think, yeah, to give certain matches the big fight feel, yeah, maybe space them out. And I've and I think AEW have alluded that they're not going to have a pay per view uh, each month, which I think is a great idea because. Uh, We've spoken about this off air. I mean, there's actually there, we've gone from not that much wrestling to WWE, you know, having the monopoly to almost having an abundance of, of wrestling with New Japan, uh, AEW. But 
Speaking of New Japan, I was watching them last night. Um, they 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 don't do like a pay per view each month. They obviously have the tours, which lead to a big event, and I find that's a better system. But I mean, obviously WWE they're setting their ways, and I don't think they're going to stop putting pay per views on, or unless they come up with a new sort of system to give NXT a bit more of a light. But yeah, I'm all about you know spacing things out, giving it a, a big fight feel. But I think what they've found with that is when they used to do the Raw and SmackDown pay per views, is there'd be a large gap on the TV show, and they'd be kind of twiddling the thumbs gone oh where do we go to or how do we fill that i guess is the uh next uh challenge yeah but the difference between 2002 and now is that the roster is twice the size like you know we used to get pay-per-view matches featuring the basham brothers and the dicks and whoever whatever other terrible team that existed back then but it's not the case anymore we you know the rosters would be the equivalent of you know, like the Raw roster now could fill Raw and SmackDown back in 2002, it feels. Like there's yeah. enough people. If they fully separate the brands between Raw, SmackDown and NXT, it might feel like we're not seeing as much because you're only going to see one brand each week. I think that's what they need to get to again. But obviously ratings declined and they sort of panicked and introduced the wild card rule, which they don't even discuss anymore. But yeah. hopefully come the, the Fox deal, we see more separation and it and it might feel like we yeah we see people less and we keep them special and an idea I uh, was sort of thinking about that we talk about overbooking in your own head is what if like say either Raw or Smackdown there's you know the old uh, wagon wheel or the 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 wheel of doom where whatever title it lands on that title must be defended that night against a particular challenger and that's the main event sort of i guess to sort of build momentum behind a certain title because i mean how how sometimes uh, the tag titles can seem like they're underutilized or uh, the intercontinental title the us title you name it but say if it's sort of featured on one of the shows to main event the show yeah well they've almost toyed with this for a couple of years ever since they've gone to you know the wwe network model and not prioritizing pay-per-view like we've seen a couple of pay-per-views be main evented by the women's title or the intercontinental title maybe they need to keep more of that up just to change it up again you brought up the ufc the ufc isn't main evented by the heavyweight championship every Mm. pay-per-view of course not they Mm. shuffle through the divisions depending on which character you know sorry not character depending on which fighter you know is really hot at that moment so maybe maybe they should consider that too yeah now i feel like we've we've done a pretty good preview of SummerSlam. there we can take a deep breath and We've uh, got all that uh, booking uh, stuff out of our system there. So now when we uh, press the stop on this record, we can just let it go and uh, enjoy (laughs) SummerSlam for what it is, Simon. Absolutely. The biggest (laughs) party of the summer. I'm looking forward to TakeOver as well. But I've mentioned this on our show as well, The Wide World of Wrestling. We don't have to review or preview TakeOver. It's always fine. It's always really good. So I haven't even watched NXT for two months, but I'm sure I'm going to enjoy TakeOver. So hopefully uh, Simon and myself uh, have uh, talked you into uh, watching uh, TakeOver and SummerSlam <laughs> or, or, or Summerfest, as I uh, like to call it. Um, but I did have a uh, poll, uh, which may be closed now. I think you've still got uh, 24 hours. Um, SummerSlam theme songs. Now, I had the uh, 2003 Metallica St. Anger going up against the uh, tried and true uh, every wrestling fan loves it. 2001 SummerSlam theme song, Bodies by Drowning Pool. Do you have a favourite? Out of Bodies and Saint Anger. Mm. Metallica is my favorite band of all time, but even I'm going to say Bodies by yeah. Drowning Pool because Saint Anger, uh, it's not bad. I sort of can appreciate it now, but 
Nah, give me bodies. Okay, well, it looks like Bodies is going to win it, so that'll be the song to kick off uh, Wrestling Source Radio on Sunday night. Uh, you can check that poll out at Wrestling Source Bottle Club. And obviously, Simon, being from uh, the wide world of wrestling podcasts, what have you guys got coming up? Uh, well, we've sort of changed the schedule. We're going fortnightly now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've relaunched our old podcast, Rocky Like a Hurricane Runner, which takes a look at the relationship between wrestling and music. Mm-hmm. I know you're a fan of music and pro wrestling. Uh, anyone who's listening should check it out. Uh, our latest episode, we looked through the musical history of Triple H. Yeah, all of his theme some... songs in the WWE, we ranked them all. We went through them. He's had some great ones. What's your he's... favorite? Ooh, I mean, it's hard to go past Motorhead and the game, but I have to say that I was a bit of a fan of uh, the My Time uh, theme song. Um, the band who did that alludes me. was I think it was the same guys who did Degeneration X. Yeah, that's right. It was the Chris Warren band, sort of that's right. WWE's yeah. uh, hired gun at that stage. Yeah. It's funny, going in, I thought it was going to be a no-brainer, and I thought we are all going to say that the game is his best theme song because it's iconic. Mm. We all walked away picking my time. We yeah. all remembered how great it is. That is an underrated theme song. Absolutely. And, you know, and it's funny because I think China used it for a little while. Even Stephanie McMahon used it for a little while as well. Uh, well, yeah. uh, after Triple H had, was done with it using the Motorhead theme song. Yeah, they sure did. So it got some use. And, and just for fun, while we're still on the topic, did you know the lyrics to the song? Did you know all the insider references that are contained in the lyrics? Well, I know that the last uh, few lyrics of my time, I think, can anyone tell me who's sleeping with you? But uh, I didn't realize there was other inside references. I would love to hear about them. That was the only one I knew. And mm-hmm. I sort of always thought it was foreshadowing as to what happened with the Stephanie McMahon sort of relationship. For but real. The, the opening lines where he says, one, two, is this on? He then says, Jimmy hit me with that Triple H. Now, Jimmy being Jim Johnston, WWE's musical, uh, you know, sort of composer, who was also in the Chris Warren band. So there's an inside reference. He then says, yo, keep the music playing Mr. Dunn. Of course, Kevin Uh, Dunn, WWE's producer. And he he drops Kevin Dunn's name a couple of times saying, you know, keep your finger on the button because it was sort of a reference to Triple H sort of, you know, breaking character at the time and, you know, yeah. being the game. And and the song talks about being held down and they talk about corporate puppets and Mr. McMahon can't stop us. It's crazy to listen to sort of knowing all of these, you know, shoot quote unquote terms. It's, it's really fun that they did put that song out there. So, yeah. I'm actually, I'm going to fire that up uh, after we've done recording here today and listen to it, because it is actually a, a, a banger, uh, a radio term there, a bad one. Um, but um, <laughs> It's a yeah, bop, as yeah, we can say. Yeah, yeah. but um, I mean, because uh, remembering it now, there, there are like sort of, you know, yeah, anti-corporate kind of things, and now it's funny that he is probably the epitome of corporati- corporatization, if, um, if I've got that right. Yeah, and it's fun at the time. We we were explaining it to Owen, who is the youngest of us on the show. He didn't know that in the year 2000, Triple H was the smart fan's choice of best wrestler in the world. Mm. Like, you know, he was up there. He was in the conversation, uh, sort of how people would discuss Seth Rollins or Kenny Omega now. So, like, he was that guy who was sort of anti-corporate and he was the great worker and he used shoot terms. Like... Even his T-shirts, we were remembering how some of them said, you know, game over. And then on the back, it said, damn right, I'm over. You know, which, you know, as a kid, you didn't know what over meant. Like, yeah, <laughs> like Triple H was playing into that. It, it is crazy to think that now he is the corporate guy. 
Yeah, and um, I guess as well, I mean, we'll talk about NXT a bit earlier. Obviously, he oversees a lot of the NXT stuff there, and uh, and I mean, this is a discussion for another day as well, but I mean, a lot of indie fans or whatever, I mean, that's how the NXT kind of has that vibe, getting a lot of these uh, indie guys, and he's kind of uh, got his own little indie promotion, so to speak, that is NXT, but it's part of the WWE. So, I mean, there's all correlations that I guess you could take from that. Absolutely. Maybe deep down, Triple H like was really hurt, you know, in the later 2000s or the mid 2000s when when those fans turned on him because mm. he was always that guy. So NXT, he's he's rebuilt that goodwill to the smart fans, you know. Yeah. Now I own all the independents, because yeah, I'm the game. <laughs> yes, we all love him again. <laughs> nah, I've always been a big Triple H fan. I mean, as soon as the Motorhead the theme song came out on CD, I was doing the the uh, all the you know the spraying up of the water, you know, at the middle oh, of the yeah. song and all that sort of stuff. But nah, it's great stuff. And I, I'm actually glad that you guys have brought back the music and the uh, wrestling with Rocky Like a Hurricane because. It's an underrated thing at times, the correlation between music and wrestling that um, people knows there, but it doesn't sometimes get the uh, the coverage that it deserves. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, we're really proud of that show. We just couldn't figure out a schedule to do it. But after a year off, it's back. And I will plug it. Subscribe. Go through the archives. We've got interviews with everyone. I'm talking Adam Brooks, Concrete Davidson, Robbie Eagles, Elliot Sexton, Uh, We've got Buddy Murphy, a bunch of WWE superstars. Our WrestleMania special from last year, we did that as Rocky Like a Hurricane Rana, where we were there in New Orleans. So you'll hear music interviews with Becky Lynch and Dolph Ziggler. And yeah, so much good stuff. I'm very proud of it. I'm glad it's back. So yeah, if you want to check that out, please subscribe and listen. Given that's the case now, I'm going to put out a challenge there to see if one of us uh, can get... uh get a hold of him somehow. Now, it's probably a, a slightly obscure reference, but uh, Vampiro, I was a massive fan of Vampiro back in WCW back in the late 90s, and um, he has a whole backstory about how he was the uh, the bodyguard for Million Vanilli, you know, the, the fake band wow. back in the 90s. And, you know, he was a big, you know, punk rocker. I think he even was referred to as Billy because he was a big Billy Idol fan. And I think he would be the best person to talk to in regards to music and the crossover to wrestling. So I'm going to put the challenge out there Ooh. to you and Owen and the guys there. If we could get him if we could get him to have a chat to us about music and wrestling, I think that would be a fantastic uh, listen. Okay, he's on the list because, of course, in WCW, he did the big storyline with the Misfits as well. That's uh, right. You're right, Vampiro. Okay, he's on the uh, the wish list. We're going to have to track him down. Let's do it. I'm going to cut this bit up, send it to him, and uh, let's see what we can do. Amazing. All right, Simon Tackler, one half of the Wide World of Wrestling podcast and the Rock You Like a Hurricanrana podcast. It's always great uh, chatting to you. We always sort of get in-depth when we're like, oh, we'll keep it short and simple, but... <laughs> As all wrestling fans, we overbook in our own heads, but uh, come Monday, I can't wait to watch SummerSlam. Simon Tackler, thank you very much. You're welcome. It was awesome.